Good morning, everybody. My name is Jace, and I am a deacon in training here at Pierce Point. Um, today, I'm going to talk about something that pertains to discipleship. We all have been doing that, and the subject I'm going to talk about is something called stewardship. Um, I don't know about you guys, but in my kind of church subculture that I've kind of grown up in and been around, I've usually, as soon as I hear the word stewardship, I think of like a Dave Ramsey kind of course or something about strictly finances. And that's obviously a big part, um, especially here where we do have a lot more money than most people on the planet, you know, being responsible with your finances and um, using it to glorify God and all that, right? Giving, tithing, things like that. Um, but it's a lot deeper um, than that. So I'm going to get into obviously the obvious things about it and then some of the more vague things that you might not realize you need to be a good steward of. So the Oxford Dictionary says that Stewardship is the job of supervising or taking care of something, such as an organization or property. I think it's a pretty good definition of uh, the biblical concept of stewardship, but I would add, uh, for our sake, um, that to that statement, for Christ. So an organization or property, um, something or someone, you know, supervising or taking care of that thing, but for Christ. Um, so... Anything you have, um, whether it's in your wallet, the talents you've been given, or even the family you are responsible for, etc., you are, as a disciple of Christ, entrusted by God. You've been given an assignment to be a good steward of that. Now, there isn't clean cut categories where here is the area where financially you're supposed to be responsible as a steward of God, and then here is where you are spiritual and they kind of all blend together, these subjects. There's not two little file folders for it. So my goal today in the short amount of time I have is to tell you, basically make a case as to the fact that the Scripture calls us to be good stewards, right? And then I'll show you what being a good steward looks like from the Scripture, and then I'll give you a few personal anecdotal cases I've seen of, of people being good stewards, of what God's given them. And then I'm going to show you why um, to you know, why you should. Is there, is there a good reason why you should be a good steward of what God gave you? So I'm relatively quickly going to give you a few different examples from the scriptures now. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 4. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper, so that no collections be made when I come. When I arrive, whomever you may approve, I will send them with letters to carry your gift to Jerusalem. And if it is fitting for me to go also, they will go with me. Okay, so I'm not going to get too much into the weeds, but this is often a passage I've seen, at least in my experience as a Christian, to be used. Paul is basically saying, set aside money, give it at your church, and then God's going to somehow supernaturally bless it tenfold and the the storehouse will be overflowing, that kind of thing. And I'm not going to get into the debate about, you know, what what is tithing? What's biblical tithing mean? How much is it? Is it 23%? Do you do it before um, or after the government robs you? It's kind of like, it's, it's a whole thing. It's a big subject. Um, so anyways, we're not going to get into that. What Paul is, is talking about, what I believe from what I've studied, is there was a group of Christians. Well, they weren't Christians at the time. They were Jews who came over to celebrate their holy holidays and then all of a sudden this guy named Peter starts speaking in their languages and they believe the gospel which is awesome great but a lot of them are poor they're nomads kind of traveling 
and they want to be Christians. Now they want to follow Christ, right? But a lot of the elders don't support that, the elders of Jerusalem, the religious leaders. So they're kind of stranded. They're being persecuted, and they don't have a lot of money. So all Paul is doing here is saying, set aside money, just like if you have bills, hopefully at the beginning of the month or the quarter, however you do it, you kind of budget out, okay, I need to set this aside from each paycheck, and da-da-da-da. So the day that the paycheck, or the day that the bill comes due, you don't scramble, and then you haven't set aside the money. He's basically saying, be smart with your money. It's not like some crazy supernatural thing in the sense of like it's guaranteed to be some magic thing. Just set aside your money. I mean, someone in the world who is just saving up for a nice house or something could take this kind of advice, right? And now I'm going to read from 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. So this is basically him saying, you know, not all of us are really good with money. None of us um, are really bad with money. Some of us invested in Bitcoin at the right time or some of us kind of stepped out and bought some you know, shares of Apple years ago. Not me, I'm, I'm a baby. But some people are just naturally gifted. They're, they're entrepreneurial. They're really good at, at saving up. So because they're good at that, that means they kind of have a gift, a gift of generosity now that they're called to steward. They're called to, to be rich in good, good works because they can afford it. Um, now, the people who are struggling, especially, you know, with different government shutdowns, all that kind of stuff, people, you know, can't find work or are unemployed, all that, that doesn't mean you're off the hook from stewarding something. You still have something to steward, and that, that could be time. Um, that could be, and I'll get into this in a bit, your gifts, and that's a, that's a really big subject. But obviously, we know from the scripture, I mean, there's Proverbs 10.4, poor is he who works with the negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. We, there's all these kind of things about finances, and there's the Dave Ramsey courses and, and the free videos that people ripped off sometimes of his stuff that you don't have to pay for. It's a little hack on the YouTube, but I think that's, that's pretty much you know been drilled into most of our heads if we've been in any sort of Christian subculture for any amount of time. Now, this is some examples in a second are going to be given to you know show you what it looks like practically. Um, so I think I've shown you pretty much that the scripture calls you to financially be good stewards. Now I'm going to show you a passage that talks about something else. 1 Peter 4.10 As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, this opens it up way more than just your money. Now, it's the gifts. Now, there's some people who, there's a passage in 1 Corinthians 12 that lists off spiritual gifts. And there are some people within the church, and they're God-fearing Christians, God love them. They will take that passage to say, the gifts of the Spirit, capital T-H-E. And these are the only gifts that are there. Anything else doesn't really count. It's these, you know, the there's gifts of healing, there's... Um, there's, I think, generosity, different, different things like that. And that's actually not the way the Greek works. That's another story. But my point is, is that 
there are a lot of things that people have, talents and abilities and gifts and ideas that they could be good stewards of for God. So an example of stewardship in action is, well, I'm going to show you it. It's Acts 6, 1 through 6. Now, at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God nor to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The statement found approval with the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procurius, Ninkanar, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And these they brought before the apostles, and after praying, they laid their hands on them. So this passage, is, it's a really cool you know, scene where he's like, we need men that are full of the Holy Spirit to serve tables. Now, in a more charismatic church, that would sound like an insult in a church where they're very focused on you know, looking for signs and wonders and miracles to say, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, you get up, you put on an apron, and you go help those people with their food. And so it may seem like that, but it's actually a really big deal because these widows back then, if you were a widow, you were pretty much... you. You, quite frankly, you were screwed. You, you, if you didn't have a man to help you, it wasn't like today. There weren't any government programs and things like that and charities. Um, so it was, it was really hard. So that was a really good thing to do, and it's a godly thing. Now, is it always something where you go up to someone, and you give them food, and then they fall to their knees and they say, what must I do to be saved? And then you get some really cool uh, story to say about how you're some crazy gospel warrior. No, you might not. But maybe it's just between you, God, and that person. And Jesus definitely calls us to be okay with doing things in secret. I mean, he would heal people and say, hey, don't tell anybody about it. Obviously, the fact that we're reading it, somebody didn't hold up their end of the deal. But, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's okay to, to do things and just have you and your father know about it. So I'm also going to talk about some people I know. For instance, Brittany. Now, Brittany, I'm sure, has gifts that match the list from 1 Corinthians 12. I'm, I'm, I'm certain of it. But something that isn't in 1 Corinthians 12 is the gift of being able to use technology. Now, if she went around in the first century and said, or, okay, let me go. Oh, I want to go back in time, actually. I get in the DeLorean with Doc Brown. We go back to the, to the first century in Palestine, and I say, I know somebody. Let's assume I can speak the right language. But I, I know somebody, and they're really good with computers. They're really good uh, with uh, ProPresenter. They're really good at, at getting good order for our worship service. They'd say, what? That's not a gift. What are you talking about? But you see, that shows that just because something doesn't make sense in another time doesn't mean... It won't make sense now. And so now we have, a, that is a spiritual gift. Um, now you could choose to not use it. You could, you know, use your skills with, you know, setting up the lyrics and getting everything in order for a Marilyn Manson concert. You could totally do that. And that would be being a bad steward of what God has gave you. But the fact that you're using it, it, it glorifies God. And like I said, it, it might not always be some crazy, miraculous, what must I do to be saved kind of moment. But 
we need these things. The reality is if we didn't have someone like Brittany helping us, things would fall apart. Someone else would have to step up and be a good steward of that gift. Um, I think of Adam. Adam is, is, is really talented. He's really good at praising the Lord himself and worshiping the Lord himself. But with all the, you know, the, the sound effects, the, he knows how to use all that. Look at that monstrosity down there. I mean, I couldn't, I just want to plug the thing in and play, you know, four chords or something. But that's, that's insane. But what that does is it helps bring people out here into a place of, of, of praise where you're, you know, you're glorifying God for what he's done. And then it helps you bow yourself down in your heart and worship him. And he's doing that all through that gift, right? I know someone who is really wealthy and he won't want me to say his name, but this guy literally, I mean, he makes bank, right? He's a good, strong believer, and then he sets aside money that automatically he doesn't ever see it. He basically works, you know, part-time or quarter-time to just send Bibles to, to places where they don't have Bibles, things like that, and that's a spiritual gift, but see how I'm saying the, the subjects of finances and gifts, they don't, you can't separate them neatly. They kind of always overlap, um, so th- that's kind of what you see here. I mean, Nathan, you teach. That's, a, that's a, a spiritual gift, and you're using that. You're stewarding it well. You could know how to teach really well and just be like, well, I'm just going to keep all this information in my head, and I'll stay in my office all day, and I'll never speak to anybody. I'm never going to preach or teach. <laughs> it sounds awesome. But he's, he's choosing to be a good steward of that gift. So those are some of the examples. I wish I could get into more, um, and there are more. And if you don't believe me, just ask me after this. Um, I'll back it up. I got my little encyclopedia right here. So now I think I've answered the first two points. What are those two points? Let's find them. I've proven to you that the scripture calls us to be good stewards, and I've shown you some examples, and the easiest part of this is to tell you why, and it's very simple. Every good thing Given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Basically, God has given us these gifts, so why would we not give back and honor him with those? Another scripture would be 1 Corinthians 6.20, where it says, You've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. That could mean a lot of different things. There are a lot of things you can do with the body that God has given you that pertain to being a good steward of the gifts he's given you. So, basically, Jesus laid his life down for you now in gratitude of what he's done, not to earn something he'll do for you, but in gratitude looking back at what he did for you. You need to be good stewards. We all do. And if you notice somebody that has a gift that isn't using it, don't be mean or condescending or, or uh, condemn them, but you know, encourage and push them to use that gift. Um, people have done that for me, and it's really helped me out a lot in my walk. So do the same for others, to just push people and figure out what they're good at and encourage them that even if it's not the, they're not standing up here with a cape and hitting people like Benny Hinn or something that just seems so impressive, which, anyways, encourage people, even in the, the little things, the hidden things. I mean, there are people right now that are holding this whole you know, worship service together, and they might not ever talk to you. You might not ever talk to them. You might leave here and never come back again. And you wouldn't know what they're doing, but God knows. So I'm going to end it there. So let's go ahead and pray, guys. Uh, Thank you for giving us all gifts. Thank you for giving us, um, especially in this uh, nation that we're in, the freedom to do the things that we can do. 
I ask that we take advantage in a really positive way of what you've given us and that we'll just use these gifts. I ask that uh, you will be with us today as we leave and go out through the week and that we can take what you've revealed to us in your word about this subject to heart and actually you know, change and grow because of it and help others grow and love each other. In Jesus' name, amen.